Welcome to the conclusion of our series called Change Your World. Uh, this has been a series where we've really been looking at uh, maybe even more so not only what God wants to do in our lives, but what God wants to do through our lives to influence and impact uh, those that are in our sphere of influence. We talked about this key word uh, in one of the messages called oikos, which is uh, our sphere of influence. Every one of us has it. If you're a student, young person, adult, senior you know, whatever, uh, you've got a sphere of influence. And God, that's his plan, is to change your world, change my world, through impacting the lives of others around us. And, and specifically tonight, I want to talk about one person at a time. That's really God's strategy for changing your world and changing my world, is just simply one person at a time. That's how 2,000 years ago, the disciples uh, that were so uh, impacted after seeing Jesus' life and his crucifixion and then his resurrection as well, uh, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, they went out one person at a time, and they changed their world, turned the known world upside down. And God still got the same plan uh, today, 2,000 years ago, for our generation, our day, our age. And so that's what I want to look at in our time together today in the conclusion of this series. Let me start off by asking a question. Well, what are the most common fears that people have? Most common fears that people have. You know, it's kind of unusual. I did a little study about this. Well, what are the most common fears that people have? The first one is the fear of flying, which I don't understand that. Because it's not really the fear of flying, is it? It's the fear of crashing. That's what it is. You know, the flying is like as long as you arrive safely, no problem, it's the fear of crashing. But they call it the fear of flying. Uh, then the, the fear of public speaking. I don't really understand that either, okay? So those first two, it's just not really connected with me. Fear of heights, maybe, maybe you're one of those, you know, drive over the bridge to the other side of the, uh, the river there, and it's kind of like, hamada, 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 you know, and just, uh, just stay right in the middle lane there and, and, and everything. Maybe it's fear of heights. Uh, fear of the dark. I, that was a big one for me when I was uh, 30, was uh, the fear of, fear of the dark. Actually, I, I meant 13 was what that was, fear of the dark. And then the, the fifth most common fear is the fear of death or the fear of dying. Now, that, that's what's common to, to all human beings, uh, really, uh, in our day and age. But let me ask you this question. What's the most common fear for a Christian? That's what I want to talk about. The most common fear that most Christians have I would say the most common fear that Christians have is the fear of sharing their faith with someone else. It's this word in the Bible, evangelism. <laughs> and just like with those five common fears we just looked at, just general in our day and age, how some of us can laugh at those and are like, what? Fear of heights? Come on. For, for some of us, this, this idea of fear of evangelism, for, it's gripping. How in the world could I ever share my faith with someone? And for others, like, Psh, no problem. But, but it's, it's probably the most common fear, I think, that Christians have. And, and so what I want to do in our time together as we conclude this series, I just want to coach you up and to help you, empower you, so that maybe what is once a fear won't be so fearful any longer. Because I think the number one reason why people are afraid of sharing their faith is they don't know how. They're not confident in how to go about that. 
Well, let's start off Mark chapter 1. In the beginning of Mark's gospel, it's pretty interesting. In the very beginning of, of Mark's account of Jesus' life and ministry, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says this, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, this is pretty interesting. Think about this for just a minute. Jesus says anyone who's following him will become something else. If we're really following him, the fruit of following Jesus is we become fishers of men. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that all of a sudden you wake up and like, I'm a fisher of men. But, but Jesus was talking primarily to fishermen, who that was his occupation. They were fishers. Uh, they, they fished for a living. And he said, follow me. And as a result of following me, you're going to become something that you're not right now. And what is that? Fishers of men. This is an analogy of evangelism. Follow me, and I will impact your life, Jesus says, to the point that you will be confident in sharing your faith with others, and then they too will follow me. And so, I think when we talk about this word evangelism, it's important to really dismantle some of the fears that we have about evangelism. But, but here's the thing I want to point out. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 17. When Jesus calls his original disciples, follow me and I will make you become. I'll make you into something you aren't right now. I'll make you become fishers of men. That's the beginning of Mark, uh, the gospel, Mark chapter 1. Turn to the end of Mark, Mark chapter 16. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. So Jesus starts with, at the beginning... God, in Mark chapter 1, he goes, follow me, and this is what's going to happen. At the end of Mark's gospel, after his death, his resurrection from the dead, he says, now, go fish. Go fish for men. In other words, that was the goal that he had all along. It, it was not just a follower here, a follower there. But here's the whole idea. Watch this now. Followers fish. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you fish for men. Jesus made it very clear. A follower who doesn't fish needs to wonder, am I really following Jesus? Because Jesus said, when you follow me, you'll become something that you're not. You'll become fishers of men. And then, right before his ascension, before he returned to our Heavenly Father, he says, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Go fish. And so this is really, really important. And it's so important. Let me just play the devil's advocate for just a minute as if he needs an attorney. But, but, but if you were the devil, what's the one thing you would want to make Christians fearful of? The one thing Jesus wants them to do. The main thing Jesus wants them to do. To go fish. To share their faith. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get ticked off at the devil. I'm like, I'm not going to let your fear hold me back from what I want to do and what Jesus wants me to do as a follower. And so followers fish. This is referred to, and also in Matthew chapter 28, is Matthew's rendition of this. This is referred to as the Great Commission. This is where Jesus said, this is what it's all about for my followers. 
Go and everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Did you know there was a recent Gallup poll? This is mind-blowing. Listen to this. Recent Gallup poll of 65 million unchurched Americans. 65 million unchurched Americans. Now, don't miss this. 34 million of those 65 million said they would be willing to attend church if a friend invited them. Who's dropping the ball? We are. Do you know how the American culture would change overnight if 34 million Americans that are saying, if someone would just invite me, I'd go to church with them? If we just invited them. 34 million. That's what, the, that's what church history calls a revival. 34 million. 34 million people that are on the sideline. 34 million people that just don't have the invitation, haven't received the invitation. 34 million would attend church if they were invited by a friend out of that 65 million. Here's another recent survey that I heard. This is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Teenagers, do you know what the number one topic that teenagers are interested in talking about? The number one topic. It's not Bruce Jenner. What's the number one topic <laughs> that, that teenagers, do you know what they said on a survey? Number one topic that teenagers are interested and talk, want to talk about? Spirituality. Spirituality. How many parents are afraid to talk to their own teenagers about spiritual things? See, see, maybe we've just got to realize we have this anxiety, this fear, and it doesn't come from Jesus about sharing our faith. Maybe people are more ready than we realize. And we just have the wrong perception. Followers fish. And, and, and I know maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You're like, oh, boy, I am so, I so regret that I came to church today. You know, I, d- I just didn't want to hear this one. This is not the message that I want to hear at all. Because, you know, also, there's all kinds of studies. The longer someone's a Christian, the less likely they are to share their faith with anyone. That doesn't make any sense at all. But, but sometimes we say, you know, okay, evangelism, been there, done that, been a Christian for 40 years, you know. Uh, well, I've been a Christian for 40, uh, 42, so I just trumped you on that one. People say, I want to hear the deep things about the Bible. Here's the thing. Don't just learn the Bible. Live the Bible. Live the Bible. What does Jesus say when he starts his ministry in Mark? Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That's what you're going to become. What does he say right before he returns to our Heavenly Father? Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Maybe we don't need to learn more about the Bible. Maybe we need to live more of what we already know. And so that's why this is so important. One person at a time. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the scripture puts it this way. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given to you. Now, now don't get hung up on this word preach. I, I don't like that word in terms of, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be on a plane flying somewhere and, and you know, get talking with the person next to me. And uh, I, I mean, other than my wife, a you know, stranger, someone who I just met, and uh, they're like, what do you do for a living? And I'll ask them, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm in sales, they'll say. You know, and, and say, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a preacher? 
and then generally pull out the Sky Mall, and then they just stare at that the rest of the time. You know, there's, there's so much like baggage in this preaching that, that, that we have the wrong idea of what that is. What is it, just, it just means to tell, it means to proclaim. In the truest sense, it means to proclaim, to herald. It doesn't mean to be obnoxious. It doesn't mean to scream. It, it means to be, just articulate. Talk it. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God's given to you. Every one of us has a ministry. What is that? To be a fisher of men. To be a fisher of men. It's so important. So how do we do this? What's the strategy? One person at a time. One person at a time. And so many times the, the, the pushback, you know, I just don't know, uh, I hear people, I, don't, I just don't know what God wants me to do through my life. I don't know what he wants to do in my life. I don't know what he wants to do through my life. I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Bible makes it clear. Jesus said from the beginning in Mark 1 and right at the end before he returned, I want you to be a fisher of men. That's what I want to do in your life. That's what I want to do through your life. And so here's the strategy, just one person at a time. Just one person at a time. So how do we do this? Four keys, I think. Four keys to sharing our faith with others, one person at a time. Here's the first one. Just become aware. Just, just kind of become aware of what's going on around us. Be, be, sensitive, be a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more dialed in to, to what's happening around us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So, so we need to always be looking for opportunities to represent Christ. That's what an ambassador does. He represents the one who sent him. Just looking for opportunities to represent Jesus Christ. And I love this, and this, this helps to simplify it. And, and when I've discovered this, I, I've never considered myself an evangelist person or, or evangelistic person. But when I discover this, it's like, whoosh, it just let me breathe really easy. There's a process. Did you know that? There's a process. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, My work, Paul is talking to the, church, uh, to the Christians in Corinth, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts. And Apollos, he was another apostle, another leader in the church, and Apollos' work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. And so there's a process. Some water, some, some, some plant the seed, some water the seed, but God is working behind the scenes through all of this. As I've said before, you know, just a personal, th- you know, this little thing that just bugs me sometimes when I hear Christians say, oh, I led Jim to the Lord. Really? <laughs> God had nothing to do with that, did he? As if God was doing nothing in Jim's life until you showed up and popped the question. You were just there to close the deal, maybe. But the Bible makes it real clear. Somebody planted a seed way, way far back in Jim's life. And then you know what? Others came along and they watered that seed. And you may have been there to, to, to harvest it, to see it. But God's working behind the scenes. So much so. In fact, let me share this with you. Uh, this also helped me, this whole idea that this is a process. So for some, it, it, for many, it's, it's, it's just moving people along. It, it's just maybe planting a seed one day. 
And, and then as, as we're just aware of, of what's going on and we're aware of opportunities around us, then maybe it's just time to water a seed that someone else planted in that person's life. And then maybe there's an opportunity because God's working. He's the one who made it, not we. Seems like he's like saying, don't take credit for something I've been doing all along. It was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. Maybe we're there at that moment when they, when they receive Christ as their Savior. And I, I've been there with some folks, and man, it, there's nothing like it in the world, but I didn't lead them. God was working. God was growing the garden in their hearts all along. And others had worked in their life long before they ever met me. But when I became aware of this process, this is actually called the Engel Scale. A man named Engel came up with this. And it's the process that someone goes through, step by step actually, it's pretty insightful, uh, of this process of, of actually, uh, I don't want anything to do with God, to the point of receiving Christ as their Savior and then growing spiritually. Look at this. It starts out with, on a minus six scale, they're resistant. They don't want anything to do with Jesus, nothing to, don't even talk to me about that religious faith stuff. And so they're at minus six point, they're resistant to anything that has to do with God. And then the next step is minus five, they become a little receptive. How does that happen? Well, they meet a Christian who doesn't have three heads and, and 20,000 bumper stickers and, and all kinds of slogans, and they're just really real and normal. But they also are very different. And, and it just moves from ah to ah. Resistant to receptive. And, and then from receptant, they begun to be seeking. Still on the negative side of the scale. They're just seeking now. Hmm, what is this, what is this all about? What, what, what? All right. You know, I thought, thought Christians are all just weird and whacked out people, but, but, but you're not, and man, I, I kind of like to learn a little bit more. And then it goes to negative three, considering. Just kind of considering. Oh, by the way, every time we have a church gathering, Thursday night, Sunday morning, we're all up and down this scale. We have folks all over the scale. And, and what's, my, what's my hope as a pastor? Just to move them along. Move them to the next step. That, that's what it means just as a follower of Christ. Just, just helping them to the next step. Now I'm beginning to consider, hmm, all right, I'm hearing some of this about Jesus. I'm, I, I'm feeling just a, a sense of belonging and love from, from people that are strangers to me. Everywhere else I go is just rude and nobody makes eye contact with me. These people seem abnormally happy. Just consider what's going on. They still go through hard stuff. It doesn't mean their life's perfect, but it just seems like there's some resiliency, there's some bounce back, there's some, there's some peace in these, these people's lives that I'm coming in contact with. Then it goes to understanding. Begin to understand. It, it, it's because of the place that they put their faith in Christ. He's first. He's the center of their life. Then it goes to negative one. Now they're ready. Now they're ready. Now, now, again, here it is. Oftentimes, this is the point that you may come across someone's path. But please don't ignore all of this that God was doing before you showed up. <laughs> he just brought you at the right time, at the right place, to the right person. 
but there were seeds planted. And there's been water and it's been cultivated. Sometimes for years, sometimes for decades. And then comes the time that they're ready. Their heart's open and they're ready. And then ground zero, what is that? New life in Christ. New life in Christ. This is the point when someone says, I realize that I'm a sinner. And I'll never be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. But I need it so badly. And, and, and so what am I left with? I'm left with the only option that God gave me. The best option that there is. That God made a way when there was no way. He sent his son Jesus Christ. And he was without sin. And he resisted every temptation to sin. And yet, he laid his life down and he sacrificed himself in my place to pay the punishment and the penalty for my sin. And he rose again three days later. That's how I know my debt, my sins are paid in full. Not because Greg's ever gonna be good enough, but because of Jesus' perfect life, death, and his resurrection. And then new life begins. This is what the Bible says. It refers to as being born again. Boom. But you know what? It doesn't end there. This is now a starting point. It's not the end. This is just the starting point. Now we go on the plus side. Plus one. What's so important? We have a sense of belonging now in the family of God, and it's so important to connect with a local church so we can grow, so, so, so that we're not just baby Christians for the next 30 years, but that sense of belonging in the family of God. And the scripture even talks about how God adopts us as his own sons and his own daughters. And we're adopted in God's family. And then what begins to happen? We begin to grow spiritually. And more and more. And we hear God's word and we start reading God's word. And all of a sudden, things start changing inside of us. And we realize, you know, I'm not perfect, but I feel like I'm a little better than I was the day before. And, and, and my desires begin to be more in tune with what Jesus is desires are for my life and I begin to find real fulfillment and, and you know what happens when we grow when we really kick into steroids and spiritual growth here's plus three we begin to serve because but what does sin do sin makes us selfish and self-centered what does Jesus do makes us other-centered and we want to serve and we want to help out other people and so serving there are some things in the Christian life, you will never learn if you don't serve. You just, you won't experience them any other way in your life besides serving. Then here's the fourth thing. You begin to share. Then you begin to share. You're growing, you know, and you begin to share what Jesus means to you. Don't, don't need to have a doctorate degree in theology, but, but God's been working in your life and moving you along. And, and that's really, the, in the truest sense, that's what it means one person at a time, that we just are there to influence and to help move people to the next step. Move people to the next step. Move them along that Ingalls scale. That helped me so much when I discovered that. Because so many times we kind of think of minus six to one. And that's a big jump for people. That's a real big jump. 
And, and yet this is the process. Uh, uh, Dr. Engel was a professor at Wheaton College and, and came up with this. And, and I think it's just so insightful for just how the spiritual journey actually happens for many, many of us. I, I found this quote, I love this. Sam Williams put it this way. Evangelism is helping people discover how God is already at work in their lives. Whoa. See, that's what I mean by becoming aware. Where is God at work? God, show me where you're at work in people's lives that I come in contact with today. And let me, by, by your Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom, just help them to take the next step. That's evangelism. Just help me take the next step. And, and so we need to become aware. That's, that's number one. I know what you're saying. Like, there's no way he's getting through this outline. Yeah, I will. We've got four. We've got three more to go. Here we go. Become aware. And the second thing is this. Commit to prayer. See, the pastors do that all the time. Become aware. Commit to prayer. You know, it's just the way we do that. They teach us to do that in God. Become aware and then commit to prayer. Pray. You know, so many times the most effective prayers that we have. You, you want your, I always think about this. I've said this before, like a batting average. Answer prayer. What was my percentage of answered prayer? I want to pray prayers. I want to pray prayers that God answers. You know how you do that? Pray prayers that God wants you to pray, and he'll answer every one of them. And so I want to go through this real quickly and just, just write these down. These are ways to pray. I'm not even going to give you the verses, but really what the subject of these verses are, uh, so that you can pray scripture. God answers prayers from his word. And so these are some prayers to pray. Commit to pray this way for those that don't have a relationship yet with Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 44. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Why? This is, again, why it's so important. (laughs) Jesus said, the Father's the one that draws them. It wasn't Greg that drew them. The Father's the one that would draw them to Jesus. Jesus said that red letter stuff. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus, John 6, 44. Here's another thing to pray. Pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. The Bible makes it real clear that there's a spirit of this world that is actually blinding people's minds so that they won't receive the truth of Christ. God, open their eyes, spiritually speaking, so that they'll be able to see the truth. No longer blinded, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Talks about that spirit of the age that has blinded the minds of men. Here's the third thing to pray right out of Scripture. Pray that they come to know God relationally. Not, not that, that God is some distant, aloof, kind of unknowable. That's what the Bible is. That's why Jesus came. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to show us what God is like. You ever wonder what God the Father's like? Just look at Jesus. That's what he's like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So pray that they come to know God relationally. And and that's why uh, God didn't send us a scroll. He sent us his son. Relationship. I'm thankful for the book that we have because Jesus in the flesh is not with us any longer. His spirit, the Holy Spirit is. But but, but the the word that explains and describes what Jesus was like. Because God wants a relationship with us. Here's another thing. Pray that believers will cross their path and positively influence them. Pray that believers will cross their path and positively influence them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. And then the last thing. Pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. 
pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Those are great scriptural prayers that we can pray. Become aware, then commit to prayer. And then here's the third key, I think, one person at a time. Show you care. Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care. This is what we talked about last week, about love, the most excellent way. People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Show them that you care. In 1 Corinthians chapter 19, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19, Paul is speaking here and he kind of gives a little bit of his ministry philosophy here. Look at what he says. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Did you realize when you share your faith with someone else, there's a blessing in that that you, you just don't experience that any other way. It's an incredible blessing when we share the gospel with someone else, the good news. That's what gospel just means is the good news, the good news of what God has done for us. So become more aware, commit to prayer, show you care, and now number four, and, and you probably don't know yet what it is, but you know it's going to rhyme. <laughs> Be ready to share. Be ready to share. Be ready to share. Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care, and be ready to share. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, you know what the inference is here? Nobody needs hope when everything's great. There's no need for hope. When do you need hope? When everything's going bad, when everything's falling apart, when everything's coming apart at the seams, that's when you need hope. And that's when people are watching you and me the most. When the pressure's on and we still have hope. It doesn't mean we don't, we're no, we don't face challenges, we don't face conflict, we don't face problems, but we have hope. And so be ready in those times to share. Let me put it this way. If, if, if you still, and I hope this, this time together has, has helped you out, if you still feel intimidated about sharing your faith, let me put it this way. Share your church. Share your church. Share your church with those 34 million people that said, all I'm waiting for is an invitation. All I'm waiting for is for someone to say, hey, you want to come to my church? You get a free cup of coffee? Man, they'll give you a free movie pass. I mean, just sit there and sleep, but you're going to get a movie pass. <laughs> if you feel intimidated about sharing your faith, just share your church. Invite them to church. Let me end with this. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. It says, The most important thing is that I complete my mission the work that the Lord Jesus gave me. What is that? 
to tell people the good news of God's grace. That's how we change our world, one person at a time. See, Jesus said, go into all the world and give, share the good news, the great commission. But if we'll take seriously the great commission, you know what? One day it'll become the great completion. And we'll change our world. I believe God that much that Jesus would not have given us a commission if it were impossible to be accomplished. And so how we're gonna change our world one person at a time. And so I wanna close right now in prayer, but before I do, let me just ask this question. Where are you on that scale we looked at? Where are you on that scale? Maybe you were resistant and uh, now you're receptive or seeking. Maybe you're considering. Maybe, maybe you've been, you know, attended a, one of our gatherings on the weekend here at Valley Christian Church a few times. But you've never just really said, you know what? I, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Just that prayer we even prayed that, that there would be a revelation of all that God's done for us. Maybe all of a sudden, boom, all of it starts making sense. I believe that today could be the day of salvation for you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to pray right now. I want to pray for you if, if today's that day, if this is that moment, you say, I, I've never done that. Just said, Jesus, be my Savior. Take all my sins. I just turn from them all. Turn it all over to you. Wash me clean. Forgive me. Today would be that day. And then you'd find a place to belong, a local church where you could begin to grow, where you could begin to serve, where you could begin to be empowered to share your faith with others. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you don't have a plan B. You've only got one plan, to change our world. And that just in the simplicity and yet the clarity that Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You'll become fishers of men. Lord, as your followers, we recognize many be for the first time how important it is for us to begin to share our faith. God, give us boldness to just help people to take that next step on that scale. Just, 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 just boldness, just to say what needs to be said, to share what needs to be shared so that we plant, so that we water, but we know you're the one who is growing faith in people's hearts. Lord, help us to become more aware that people may be more ready than we realize. And Father, that we make the most and, and help us to engage that 34 million people in our country that are unchurched that are saying, I'm just waiting for someone to invite me. Teenagers say, I, the number one thing I want to talk about is spirituality, spiritual stuff. Help us to be aware, Lord, that we commit to prayer, that we would show that we care and that we'd be ready to share. And Father, I pray for every single person today that has not yet received Christ as your Savior, that today would be the day that they would do that, just simply asking you to forgive them of their sins and receiving what Jesus Christ did on the cross in their place, 
through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection for each one of us, knowing that we're forgiven when we call on his name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.